Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. What is up, you guys? I'm so excited to share with you today's podcast sponsor. Nixie is a friend of mine, also happens to be co-founder of Clarity, a non-toxic, zero-waste, all-natural cleaning solution. Their mission is to eliminate one of the top contributors to plastic pollution in our oceans, household cleaning products. Their brand new super solid dish soap is a fun and completely different way to do the dishes. Super solid comes directly to you in a concentrated, easy to handle tin that has the cleaning power to replace three plastic liquid dish soap bottles. It also comes with an endlessly reusable scrubber brush, meaning you can finally ditch sponges forever. You'll love this dish soap because of its all-natural hypoallergenic ingredients and zero-touch design. Did we also mention it makes doing the dishes fun? This is true. I love doing the dishes with their cleaning products. Clarity is confident that once you switch to super solid dish soap, you'll never have to go back. But if you don't love it, they're offering a 100% money back guarantee. Simply visit clarity.com. That's spelled C-L-A-R-Y-T-I.com and use my promo code authentic at checkout for 15% off your order and the money back guarantee. Like I said, I love this product. I love the packaging it comes in. Everything beginning to end feels super intentional. It smells so, so, so good. I'm obsessed with the smell of my cleaning products. And it's so nice that I have one that smells amazing and is also so good for the environment and our oceans. Again, that's clarity.com, C-L-A-R-Y-T-I.com. Use my code authentic at checkout for 15% off and a money back guarantee. Maho Molfino is an Argentine-American author, designer, and women's leadership expert. She is the host of the Heroin Podcast featuring top female leaders, creatives, and visionaries. Her leadership program, Ignite, guides women to design and share a creative dream with the world. She has a master's in learning, design, and technology from Stanford University and a bachelor's degree in psychology with a minor in cultural studies from McGill. She lives in California with her husband. Obviously, after hearing that bio, you know why she's here, so welcome. Maho, thank you for being here. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for having me. Um, so funny. We have, it's such a small world. My best friend went to McGill and oh. my brother-in-law and now future sister-in-law, they just got engaged, uh, have a master's from Stanford and the design program. <laughs> oh <laughs> my design, gosh. In design thinking. Um, that's their whole world is that whole, that whole. That's amazing. Yeah. And what I just. 
realize that I knew based on your book that you do a lot of your work through the lens of design thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't realize you got your degree from Stanford. So that's so funny. So did they, I'm sure they know who you are. Um, Maybe they do. I'd love to connect with them or see or know who they are too. Yeah. I will definitely link you guys offline. That's very cool. So anyway, um, thank you for being here. We are actually recording this on inauguration day. It's January 20th. And we were just talking about how emotional, uh, that was for both of us this morning. So how are you today? What's happening in your world? Fill me in. I'm feeling relieved. Uh, I'm it's a big exhale to see a peaceful transference of power. I feel uh, optimistic about our country um, and hopeful. So um, that's where I'm at. Where, where, where are you at with all of it? Oh, thanks for asking. Um, I feel the same way. I felt I definitely got more emotional than I expected to get watching it. And I think for me, I didn't realize how attached and um, affected I have really been by the whole mm-hmm. thing. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I live in my little bubble in California and I'm in Santa Cruz by the beach and I work from home and lead just like a very quiet, privileged life. And, um, just to see everything that's happened, like I am such an empath and have over the last year felt so much sadness and just guilt and shame. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. And I just felt this collective sort of exhale. And I say collective in the sense that it's bigger than obviously political sides, which we were talking about. Not all, not our entire country is happy today. Um, but for me, it's just like a bigger exhale for the collective of love wins. And I haven't felt that kind of sort of optimism, like you said, in a long time. So yeah, I'm just feeling soft today definitely Mm -hmm. soft. And like, I I'm allowed to be like, I don't have to be on alert as much, Mm -hmm. um, which feels good for my nervous system. Um, but anyway, so I have a funny story to share with you. So you sent me your book, um, which is the good girl myth and it's this best-selling book. And I got like two, three, four chapters into it. And I was like, I was never a good girl. This is not Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And I gave it to my sister who has always been the good girl. And she came down and she was like, do you have any books for me? I'm always giving her books and clothes. And, you know, as we do with our younger siblings. And I said, you know, I'm interviewing this amazing woman on my podcast. I got her book and I realized I'm not a good girl, nor have I ever been. And I think this is actually meant for you. And she got so much out of your book. Oh, Um, she is such a fan. She's been texting me all morning. Um, can't wait to hear the episode. And she actually came on my podcast a few weeks ago and the whole episode was called calling all shy girls. And, Mm. um, now she's a life coach and empowers women to really step into a life of truth and joy and alignment. And she said so much of what you shared in the book, she's actually now taking and using in her own coaching business. So it was sort of this beautiful moment where I realized there, that this work is so needed and interviewing her on my podcast and the work that you do for women is just so healing and so profound. And she sent me some questions that she wanted me to ask you about the book. And, um, 
just your process in writing the book and in stepping into this life that you now lead. So anyway, I just want, yes. Thanks for sharing that. Makes my heart happy. (laughs) And it was kind of a funny moment too, because I, with her too, um, you know, we say like, I was always the one in class sitting in the front row, really confidently raising my hand, you know, not shy, not never followed the rules. For me, rules are meant to be broken. And I've just always had this mentality and seeing what a struggle that has been for her and how unnatural Mm -hmm. it feels at times for so many women to reclaim their power in these Mm -hmm. ways. So Mm -hmm. I would love to start by talking about the book, obviously what inspired it, what that process was like, and then I'll get into some specific questions. Um, And for people who don't know, you know, give me the spiel, what, tell me all about it. So it's been interesting that you you mentioned that you feel like you're you're not a good girl because my book agent actually she's a credible woman who is uh, a daughter of immigrants she's from New York City she's like a total shark like incredible in the book like you know has many New York Times bestsellers on her th- on her roster and she, when we started working together she's like oh well this book isn't for me because I'm not a good girl. Um, I've always been like, a, you know, always been very assertive and out there. And then as she started getting into the good girl myths, she did find that one applied to her quite a bit, which is the myth of perfection. And mm. she was like, oh, like at first I thought, oh, I'm not a good girl. But then when I d- dug into the myth of perfection, I realized like my whole life has been oriented around achievement and wanting to be the best. And um, which is also my primary good girl myth. So it was, it's interesting. I think I've also spoken to uh, women who've maybe have felt like they were rebels or more of the cool girl growing up. And they're like, they kind of look at the title and they think this is not for me. But then when they get into the myths, they at least see themselves in, you know, two or three of them. Um, and they can see that it applies to their lives. So I, I, I do want to say that I feel like my book definitely applies to sort of uh, someone like your little sister who's like, okay, I definitely see this in myself, but I think it can also apply to a broader range of people in more subtle ways. I completely agree. And I did get to the five myths. Um, I mean, I read a lot of the book. I just, um, and that was the biggest one that stood out to me is the perfection and the achievement. Mm -hmm. Um, And I absolutely agree with that. And I'm still working to, the, you know, unworthy, not good enough. Mm -hmm. Um, that is such a a myth for me and it all circles around this idea of perfection. I, I have my own business and just like the idea of failing in general is not an option for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I hold myself to such a high standard and I do think you're so right. And I'm really glad that you spoke to that, um, as women, and to my women listening to this, I think so much of it is so subconscious. Yes. So we think, oh, I'm not a good girl. I've broken all the rules, da, 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 da. But also I was front and center in class because of that perfection. Totally. Because every time you were front and center, your teacher would, you know, give you a reward, pat you on the head, tell your parents she's such a good student. She's doing such a great job. Totally. And that, you know, you saw that reinforcement, you saw that reward and it kind of, you fed off of that dopamine hit. And so then it became a loop. And then in adulthood, what does that look like? It's not the teacher's gold star 
but it's the uh, the likes on Instagram or it's the money in the bank, right? It's you know, it changed form. Are you clairvoyant? How do you know? (laughs) But you know, (laughs) it just changed form. Get out of my head. Yeah. (laughs) Um, As children, it's the little, you know, the gold star, the grade, but as adult women and business owners, it becomes a different metric, you know? Uh, For me, I noticed money was a big one for me. If I wasn't making a certain amount of money, I'd feel bad about myself. I was attaching my worth to my earning potential, my income, And I know that boiled down to the way I was trained as a little girl. And the other thing with those of us with the good girl myth of perfection, since we're on it, is um, comparison is big for us. Um, Because we grew up being so academically ranked in comparison to our peers constantly, maybe we played a competitive sport or did a competitive extracurricular where you had to audition to get in. It was all about competition and all about looking around to see how you sized up in comparison to other people. And so that's the little demon on my shoulder. I don't know if anyone else feels that in who's listening, but the little demon on my shoulder is whenever I go onto Instagram and I'm seeing I'm having comparisonitis or whatever. And that, that I know boils down to my conditioning as in the good girl myth of perfection specifically. That is so, I, that resonates so deeply with me. While we're on that myth, would you mind sharing with us all five myths and sort of laying out, you know, just, uh, you know, a little bit about each one and sort of how you narrowed it down to these five? Sure. So there are five good girl myths. The first is rules, the myth of rules. The second is perfection. Third is logic. Fourth is harmony. And the fifth is sacrifice. The, the, every, A good girl myth, the good girl myth is a subconscious program. So it's a group of beliefs and behaviors that we we enact on a subconscious level. We don't realize we're doing it because we've internalized a lot of the patriarchy and what we think makes a good girl or woman. And so that's um, the way that I think of them are like little subconscious programs. And we typically have all five myths, but one or two are very dominant. Um, And our myths can change depending on context. Like you can have the myth of harmony really strong in a specific relationship, but then with your family, you don't mind speaking your mind. Um, You could be a perfectionist in your career, but that when you're with your body, body image stuff, you're fine. So it also changes in context. So one thing that I like to say that's really important is this is not a personality test like the Enneagram where, or like where there's this, or even human design, which is really popular amongst our, uh, you know, women (laughs) right now. It's it's not a fixed personality trait that's going to stay with you forever. It's the way to think of it is that it's, it's conditioning. It's a program of conditioning that you've inherited and that you're playing out that's no longer serving you. So I just want to make that delineation because um, I think it's important. It was important for me to, to let women know that this is not part of their identity. They're not just because they score the myth of sacrifice right now doesn't mean that in 20 years, they're still going to be high on the good girl myth of sacrifice necessarily. Um, so there are things we move in and out of. It's more fluid. Um, and I came up with it because I noticed these persistent habits and patterns in my clients and not only my clients, my friends, family members, 
family members, by the way, that lived all over the world were from different cultures. And I thought, why are these universal kind of patterns coming up? Um, and that's, you know, the, the reason they're so universal and pervasive is because the patriarchy is, and the patriarchy has been around for thousands of years. And so, <laughs> you know, patriarchy is a global phenomenon. It's been around for at least 5,000 years now. We have, there's all these theories about why it started and how, and it just, it gets a little complicated when you get into that minutia, but point being, it's so universal that the good girl archetype, you can find it in Japan, you can find it in Brazil, you can find it in Canada, you can find it in Africa. So, um, you know, I think it's important to know that that's why I felt it was so important to share this, this framework to support women all over the world and like breaking out. I love that. And one thing I just love that you said, I do find like that you used, you know, human design or even astrology or whatever, um, whatever our means to honestly loving ourselves and having compassion for ourselves and for others and all of that. Um, I love that you're saying it's not part of your identity because I I've seen so many people, especially in the spiritual world or especially just in this human design, like all these labels and they're like, Oh, well I'm this way because X. And then that Mm -hmm. doesn't leave any room. Like I'll use astrology as an example, because that's something that I hear all the time. Like, Oh, well I'm reacting this way because my moon is in cancer and it's in the house of Virgo. So that's why I'm so emotionally attached to my business and there's no changing it. And it's like, okay. So for me, I think what's really beautiful about all of these different languages, especially these good girl myths that you've came up with is for me, you really have to be able to name something to heal it. Um, Now that's not true for everybody, but once I become aware of something, that means now I can heal it. It doesn't mean, oh, this is how I am. So now I have an excuse for being the way I am. So I just think that that's a really important distinction just in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's always a low road and a high road that we can take. And especially with these myths, um, you know, there's the low road of being the perfectionist and there's the high road. And it's sort of like, how do we now work with, like, how do you share with your clients once we sort of identify these myths or these archetypes or whatever it is that we are sort of living in and identifying with right now, what's the next step? So for example, let's just go back to perfectionism because I really resonate with that one. Now that I'm aware of that, what do I do next? Or like, how do I, how do I move through it? Yeah. I'm so glad you, I am so glad that you brought up the point around naming it. Um, because I think just to, just to land on awareness for a second, a little bit longer before we move to solution space, I feel like when you become aware of something, it loosens its grip on you, right? So through awareness and mindfulness, the, the power that thing has over you starts to reduce. And it's like, you know, um, anything you bring into the light, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's no longer in the darkness. So it's not controlling you from a place you can't see anymore. Um, because you brought it into the light, you can do something about it. And so I think that before we even get into solutions, I think it's really important for, to understand each myth in depth and understand, uh, there's an assessment in chapter three uh, mm-hmm. what is your primary and secondary good girl myth right now? In What is the program of conditioning you're working with right now that's blocking you? Because I really feel like you can't get out of a cage you don't see. 
You really cannot get out of a cage you do not see. So step number one, see the cage. Okay, that's like a lot of the work actually. Once that's done, okay, uh, which I would say some people argue that's like 60, 75% of the work, then you got into specific tools depending on the myth. The influences that I've used, like my little toolbox that I borrow from is a, a combination of various things. So I'm a designer. I study design thinking. That's one of the tools I use. I, I pull from. Another tool is, you know, I've been a yogi and meditator for, you know, 15 years now. So I'm a strong believer in mindfulness and compassion work. That's another tool that I pull from. So all these little tools, you know, um, depending on the myth, it's like you pull, pull out of the tool belt, like the little medicine bag. Mm-hmm. So um, for perfection, a lot of what I talk about in the book, which gets me very excited as a designer, is um, specifically around building creative confidence. Yeah. So there are women who have a lot of ideas, and yet they have trouble bringing that idea into action. They have trouble actually manifesting that idea into form and into reality. How come? That's because of a lack in creative confidence because creative confidence, literally the definition of creative confidence is being able to have the ability to have ideas and then the courage to try them out, try them out, the courage to experiment, the courage to explore. If you're gripped by perfection, it's like you cannot experiment, you cannot explore. You're like, you, can, you refuse to let yourself be messy, right? You refuse to let yourself make mistakes. You are terrified of other people's judgment and what they're going to say and how you're looking on the surface. So you don't yes, tinker. Yes, 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 Right. <laughs> so you don't tinker, right? Mm-hmm. And so, well, something like design thinking, literally designers, what they do for a living is they make, they, they bring ideas and they put them into form. Like think Steve Jobs, he came up with the idea for the iPhone and then he actually materialized it with a team, of course. Now it's in all of our hands. So Steve Jobs went through a design process. He has creative confidence, right? So we have, there's a design thinking process that we can take. And one of the hallmarks that I teach and coach women through in my Ignite program, for example, is prototyping. Mm. People think prototyping is only for um, like fashion designers or industrial designers or people in tech. Prototyping is something that anyone can do. It's like, I want to democratize prototyping. Anyone can do it. If you have an idea and you want to, if you have a creative dream, if you have anything you want to manifest in this, on this planet, you can prototype it. And prototyping is a great way to build creative confidence. It's a great way to let go of perfectionism And I really dig into how to do that in that chapter. Now, is it the most sexy solution? Like, are people like, oh yeah, like can't wait to prototype. Like, I don't think it's very sexy. It doesn't sound as sexy as like, you know, honestly, like there's the whole manifestation trend right now. There's a whole manifestation trend in our spiritual world right now, which is like, write down the list and, you know, um, clear up any wounds and lack of worthiness stuff. And that stuff will magnetize towards you. That's like, you know, what the manifestation trend says. I'm going to say attraction manifestation. I actually believe in if you actually want to bring any idea into form, 
that is a manifestation process. It's a creative process. You need to actually prototype. And the way to prototype is by making things with your hands and showing people and getting feedback. You need to engage with the world. And so it's such my a refreshing form- way of looking at it, I think. Yeah. I think, my, you know, I think that that's that manifestation is really around taking action and the form of action that I teach is around making um, because we get more clarity through making than through waiting and clarity comes from making. I love your whole design thinking lens. I just think it's such an interesting and like practical. I'm not like a very practical person, I guess. Like I definitely, I operate between the space, like we have wisdom, we have analytics, we have analysis, we have data, we have thoughts, and then we have our emotional body and how we react to things. And then we have that intuition, that discernment, that wisdom that we're all trying to tap into. And those are the, I operate between the emotional place and the wisdom place. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm either having an emotional reaction or I'm like deeply rooted, like grandma energy, like wisdom, discernment, all of that. And the way that you explain this to me, almost touches on all three in a really interesting way. Um, And I just think that your design thinking lens brings a really clean approach and a really approachable approach um, to the way that you can create something and bring something into the world um, that really like debunks or uh, gets resistance out of the way. And Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. working with my clients, that resistance, you know, I'm constantly trying to come up with new ways for them to break through the resistance. And I love that you're obviously a very talented writer because you're giving language um, to a lot of this stuff that I've been coming up against, but just the way that you're discussing it and the way that you're talking about it offers a very refreshing new lens and lens. And it makes me feel like, Oh, there's something I can do. There's an action I can take. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which is why that prototyping idea that you write about and talk about and bring into all of your teachings, I think is so powerful. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just don't really have a question off of that, but (laughs) I just want to say that, I love your mind. Um, Oh, and I just, yeah. Thank you for that reflection. I think it's refreshing to hear. One of my brand pillars is practical. (laughs) Um, So not one of mine. (laughs) Yeah. So one of my brand, my brand pillar is like deep practical, you know, so funny. And that hits on it, right? Because it's that, that deep feminine, that intuition, that whatever you want to call it, that knowing mixed with the practical. Mm -hmm. And it sort of gets you out of that emotional, uh, reactionary ego state, which is so powerful. Yeah. And also I think one of the, the, my, my tough love sort of calling out (laughs) side of myself is saying, you know, when we are really, really investigating the inner world and the emotions, it's good, but we have to ask ourselves and be honest with ourselves. Like, am I dwelling here for long because I am hiding Mm. from the difficult work of putting something out there, it being ugly and messy and potentially rejected by others and me having to learn and have a feedback loop? Um, I think that that's happening to some of us uh, without us realizing is that we're getting comfy with the 
I think it's so important. By the way, I'm all about inner work, like meditation, hypnosis. You know that. Okay. So I will never say like- If anybody's on this podcast, we're just going to assume that the inner work is- The inner work is good. Like (laughs) don't throw it out. I'm just saying don't throw it out, but don't let it replace action. That's my key thing. Don't let it replace (sighs) action. You know, Um, you still need to do the work of getting out there and being seen, which is scary, you know, because, you know, I think when I talk to women- okay, you have a creative dream. You want to put it out there. You've been sitting on this idea for weeks, months, if not years. What is stopping you? Mm. The, number, the number one thing people say, well, they say two things. Fear of failure is number one. And then fear of judgment, yeah. you know, fear of judgment and fear of what my, all the way to what my parents' partner are going to think, to what my followers are going to think, to what strangers are going to think, to what my distant cousins are going to think. And so, What's actually stopping us is, you know, our fears of, you know, these external things happening. And so that's preventing the action. And so we, we get comfortable in the, in the, yeah, I'll write down the list Mm -hmm. and list of everything I want. And I will do a hypnosis exercise and then I will hope that I'm magnetic and that it will somehow come to me. (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it lands in your lap, but you'll be surprised how many times it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much. And I definitely have a similar view on the world. Like I have my my altar and my prayers and my Lakshmi statue and all of the things and I surrender and I say the prayer and I do the Reiki, but then I also take action. And I think um, when I work with my clients, it's about spirituality meets strategy. So both are needed here. And I think what you're giving people is a really clear roadmap to, okay, you have what you want to do now. Here's how we actually start to make it and put our hands on it. And I love how visual that that is. So yeah, I just really appreciate you sharing all that. Um, I do have a question for you is since you sort of created these um, myths or um, had named these myths because you didn't create them, they were already there, but you brought name to them, you brought awareness to them. How has your life shifted or how has writing this book and speaking to all these women and actually living through these myths, how has that impacted you and your work and how you show up? That's a really great question. I think... Okay. So one very practical thing around, cause you're in marketing. So you, you'll appreciate this cool. as a, as a business person who has a leadership program that I want to invite women into in an authentic way. Um, it's really important for me. One way to do that is to get on video, by the way, I love, you know, typically I love doing, um, I love, you know, talking and expressing, but because of, you know, um, my own good girl myth of perfection, even after doing entrepreneurship for like seven or eight years, it was still really hard for me to do video. Hmm. And, and, you know, I think it's like, it's something around, you know, oh, you know, my hair is not perfect or like, I don't have it all put together. It's not, or my background isn't good. Like even for this podcast, like full disclosure, people listening, I did not turn on my video on this Zoom call because my background is like, whatever, a Peloton and my coat on the ground or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want Krista to suffer through that. So I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to turn off my video. So I think, I think I'm becoming aware of even how the myth of perfection is blocking me from 
Um, and so breaking through that and getting on Insta stories, like I had to, I did a Instagram takeover of Harper Collins. It was like 400,000 followers. Casual. Yeah. I did like a 24 hour takeover. And I was like, Maho, I had to have like a come to Jesus moment with myself in like the bathroom mirror being like, you got to get over your, 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 your stuff. Like it's time to really, um, step into letting yourself be seen. And, um, the book, you know, you want the book to get into women's hands. You want to transform their lives. It's about the service. So don't worry about whether you look perfect or don't worry about whether everything is exactly the way you want it. Like just get it done. So, so the book promotion has forced me to break my good girl perfection quite a bit, just like my business has. Um, and that's been, that's been good. And it's a work in progress. Like I never, you know, every day it's like, it's, it's, I never like, I don't believe in, okay. In the spirit of prototyping, one of the <laughs> things that I love about prototyping is this idea that nothing is ever finished. Um, even my book, which has been published and sealed by a publisher, uh, um, I still feel like I could pull off my, I could pull my book off of a library shelf or a bookstore shelf and I could still make edits to it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so could an editor who was like, let's say I gave my book manuscript to an editor and told them like, this hasn't been published yet. I guarantee you that editor would like ax things would still have things to say. Right. Because in the end, everything is still in motion and still evolving. Even if we have the illusion that it's final. So why am I saying this? Why is this important? because we are the same way. We're the same way. We are walking prototypes. We are giant walking prototypes. And so for me to come onto your podcast and say, I'm, I've broken all five of my good girl myths would be a big fat lie. Um, every day I grapple with my good girl myth of logic, for example. Um, and you know, my good girl myth of perfection is something that I'm continuously working on. However, the good news is I find a new edge, right? Every time there's a new yeah. edge, you hit a new edge and you hit a new edge. That's called growth. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, it's changed me a lot and it continues to change me because I'm continuously evolving. Yeah. I just love how honest that is. And I, I think that this is something really interesting because maybe somebody would assume because you wrote this book and you're an expert in these myths that like you've reach some level where these myths don't apply to you anymore. And I think it's so interesting because the thing about the work that you and I both do is we're doing this work because we need it too. Mm -hmm. And I often find that, especially when it comes to marketing and creating strategy and overcoming resistance and putting myself out there and questioning my art and my, all of this stuff, when I'm constantly, constantly, like I made a post last week, Um, that was, um, I raised my prices because like insert justification, validation, et cetera. And then the next swipe was I raised my prices period. Right. Because I needed to hear that. It's not that Mm -hmm. I've reached some all, like I'm so worthy. It's I didn't charge enough for my last project. And that's why I'm sharing that. So it's like to just remember we're peers Mm -hmm. and I love that. Like, yes, this is what you talk about, but guess what? I talk about doing the thing, launching the thing. So much of what you just said, putting it out there, even though it's messy. I have this launch guide that my audience has been waiting for and my design, it's not perfect. 
Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's not out yet. And all I do is work with my clients on launching it. Nobody cares about your logo, right? Like I said, all of this. Yeah. And then I also need to hear it. So I just think that that is like, makes you even more of an expert in the thing because you're still living it. You're still evolving it. You're still finding new edges of each myth that you can work through and grow from. And ultimately that's why I'm attracted to the work that you're doing is because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of noise out there and I get a lot of, um, people through, through, um, my world that want to come on the podcast. And I'm so picky because it's called the authentic audience podcast. Like I really have to feel what you're doing is really authentic. And as soon as you came across my desk, I didn't even really know more than like, actually, I want to read it. I want to read what really affected me when I checked out your work. And I just said, yes. And Mm -hmm. then I got the book and then I dove into it. And my sister had this profound experience and totally meant to be, but when you are walking your talk, it's messy, Mm -hmm. it's complicated. And I feel the same way about camera. My face is super crooked and, um, I have this really chipped tooth. I don't know if you can see me, but I fell off my bike over the summer and I actually cried all morning because of the inauguration. And then I did a hypnosis rapid transformational (laughs) session about my fear of flying. I'm still in my PJs. And for me, why I show up with my camera on is because I feel that the more vulnerable I can be, that's actually my role is to then give other people permission to be vulnerable, to be messy as well. And when I can overcome those moments and show up, like, you know, I would never post an Instagram story looking the way I do for you to see me right now, but I felt safe showing up this way because of the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to say, this is what resonated with me the most. I support women in designing their creative purpose without quitting their day jobs. I believe in you being brave without being reckless. I believe you dreaming bit in you dreaming big while staying practical and taking small steps forward. So that's what was a strong fuck yes for me um, when I read mm-hmm. that because so many people there's this entrepreneurship mindset of quit the job, take the leap, do the thing. And that's how I've always operated. And it's very reckless. Um, any of my close friends would just reckless, impulsive. These are all words to describe me. I take really big risks and knock on wood because I've been so privileged in my life. I feel that I can take these risks and I'll never be on the street. Right. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I have this confidence instilled in me that I can take big, big risks and it it has worked out, but it's exhausting. Right. And as I've gotten deeper into business and entrepreneurship and helping people step into a job or launching a thing, it's crawl, walk, run is my, what I've learned. And it's a slow burn. I don't Mm want to blow up and then the lights go out. Right. So what you're teaching is practical. Yes. It's accessible. And I love that. I keep that. I kept, kept coming back to that word practical. And then that does resonate so deeply because that just tells me you're doing it. Like Mm -hmm. I never read practical anywhere. Right. From like, I did not know that that was a pillar of yours, but you radiate that. (laughs) is like, oh, there's a practical way of being brave and also not being reckless. And that message is really refreshing and really needed. And I'm just so grateful to have you and talk to you about all of this because um, 
it's really important. It's really important. I think, especially as women right now and just human beings, I hate saying as women, I'm so over that. Uh Um, but really, truly just to hold sacred space for the feminine, um, in our, in our world right now, I think that there needs to be more of this combination, like, whether you call it yin yang, masculine, feminine, reckless, practical, but the balance is where the the sweet spot is and where the magic happens. And yeah. Can we talk to that? Can you talk to that a little bit more? Well, I've always been practical because I believe, so one of my strengths finder is activator. Uh, so I, you, you too. Yeah. Okay. So I like to activate people into action. And then as a designer, I have a bias towards action. So some right. people think action is a spiritual path. You know, in the yogic tradition, there's even a, uh, the path of karma, the path of act, right action. Seva, uh, yeah, totally. Seva, right? And so um, I am more and more a fan of that as a, as a spiritual journey of sort of taking aligned action. But um yeah, I think what I, what I'll what I'll speak to with 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 being reckless versus being you know smart in your transitions. When women come to me and they're working at a nine to five, which is usually uh, the women who are attracted to working with me. Um, some, sometimes they're entrepreneurs, but mostly it's women in nine to fives. They, it's really important for me to let them know to t- for them to take a deep breath because one of the reasons they won't entertain their creative dream is because they think it means they're going to have to quit their job, which then takes them down a fear lizard brain route, which is totally I'm going to, I'm, they, they just go into it. They're like, I'm going to be homeless on the street. And like, totally, I'm going to be the biggest disappointment to my parents. Like, and so the, the dream just shrivels up right instantly. So I'm like, okay, let's just take that out of the equation. Like, don't even think about leaping while you're still at your job, you know, let us give expression to your creative purpose because mm. it still wants expression and it's still, you know, it's so beautiful. I just think that that is so important for people to hear. I'm so glad you're doing this work and showing your face and letting yourself <laughs> be seen. Um, and I do think that's a wonderful transition into your program. Um, I would love to hear more about it and have you share um, what it is, how people can find more of you and what the Ignite program is all about. Sure. So Ignite uh, was really born out of a deep desire that I have to help women birth their creative ideas and dreams into the world and to do that in a really practical, safe way. So while they're still at their jobs, while their business is still running successfully or stably, mm-hmm. they get to experiment on this dream or idea. And so it builds creative confidence. And then the outcome is that you actually come out of the closet about your idea. So that can look various forms for people. So what's nice about Ignite and, and why I love it so much is because it the variety of projects that come in. Some mm. women do books, some do blogs, podcasts, some do a business offering, some might do an app, um, cool. some might do like a healing space or like a, you know, I just think the variety is really nice and um, because doesn't matter what your end goal is, what, what the, 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 the process of creation is the same. The process, the method is the same. The method that I teach it's 
three phases. You commit to an idea, you prototype the idea, and you share the idea. Whether that's, you know, whether that's a space, a blog, a business idea, right. like it doesn't matter. It can take it and it's a process, it's a method you can repeat. You know, it's something you could do later with another idea. So also not to get so you know, women, you know, a lot of women come in, I'm unclear, I'm, I'm confused, I have too many ideas, I have FOMO or FOBO, fear of a better option, like, ooh, I like that. Yeah. You know, oh my I'm, God, I suffer from that completely. Right, like if I choose this idea, what about that other better idea over there? And it's right. like, it's like, what's underneath this lack of clarity that's happening? What's underneath it is actually, I think, a, going back to practical Maho here, is a lack of commitment, the lack of the, um, the unwillingness and fear of commit. It's a fear of commitment. It's a fear to commit to a path, uh, to an idea. Um, but what you have to understand is you don't, don't commit to ideas because ideas change as you work on them. So you're not committing to an idea anyways, you commit to a path. So you're committing to the path of your creative dream and you're being flexible with the idea. That's very important. That's so important. Yeah. yeah. So the, so you're allowing yourself to course correct, pivot, change, experiment, but you're committed to the path of you being seen and heard in your creative purpose. That's the key. So I think people get attached to ideas and they get hard and they think I, we had this expression in design school. Don't be precious. Don't be precious with your ideas. You know, um, there are a dime a dozen. And, and yeah. so it's really, um, you know, commit to something, experiment, tinker on it, course correct it, it will change naturally, and then share it. And that's going to build creative confidence. I mean, I'm in, where do I sign up? (laughs) Um, And it's open for enrollment, right? So people can join. Okay, cool. Um, We'll definitely link that in the notes. That sounds amazing. And I just, I know we need to wrap up here, but everything you just said got me thinking, so much. And also can your next book be on creative confidence? Cause I just, yeah. <laughs> I want to read an entire book by you on that and what you're doing here and what you're helping people do like creative confidence. Um, it almost like hurts my heart a little bit thinking about my lack of it, you know, and, and what, where that comes from. And I, I'm going to think about that a lot today. And you've really just given me a lot of, lot to think about. And the biggest thing is you take a lot of the prana out of it for me. I think we make things so heavy. And one of my favorite sayings, it's actually my husband's like theme of this year, which is actually really triggering me and driving me crazy, but it's don't make it heavy. Uh And I make everything heavy. (laughs) I have it written on sticky notes. I have it, you know, like I had like an existential crisis at the car dealership last week because it just buying a used car is just so slight. And I made it so heavy and about humanity and about our future anyway. Hmm. And it's just, I, I feel so deeply and yet you can feel deeply. That's why I like your word is deep and practical. And there's just been so many little aha moments for me throughout this podcast, but that was one of the biggest ones is like, Oh, depth and practicality. And like you take the product, you take the heaviness out by creating this method and making it super approachable and super digestible for people. So I'm just Mm -hmm. so grateful that your mind is at work and it gives me like 
hope that like somebody is out there doing this work. Sometimes I feel just so responsible for everybody and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, and wanting to take care and make sure everybody feels seen and feels held. And then I meet somebody like you doing this work and I'm like, Oh, I have, I have a team with me doing this. It's not just me. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm so grateful. And I will put, um, if there's any other calls to action you want to share, I have my marketing brain on, um, but oh, we'll yeah, obviously put your website and your Instagram and the link to your book in our show notes. But is there anywhere else that we can go find you, see you, hear you, get more of you? Yeah. So to get the book, you can go to goodgirlmyth.com and, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Maho Molfino. It's all my name is spelled M-A-J-O. Uh, it's pronounced Maho, but it's spelled with the J. And that, you know, that's where I like to hang out. I'm on the gram. Uh, I do too. For better, for worse. <laughs> me too. I'm with you. I'm there. I'm going to, I'll see you there. Oh yeah. Thank you so much, Krista. This was a great conversation. I really love talking to you. I loved it too. Thank you for the work you do. Thank you for being here and to everybody listening. Thanks for being on this journey with me. Who knows where we're going to go? We're going to pivot. We're going to evolve. Thanks for the reminder that we're able to do that. Of course. And until next time, uh, everybody listening, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And keep growing. 